Welcome to God Shots. It's September 21st and we have an amazing guest today, Kim Constantino, one of my dear friends whom I met on Facebook and then met in person this summer at the Met Museum in New York City. Hi Kim, how are you? And hi Darlene, Darlene, my co-host. We're co-hosts of God Shots, the podcast. And it's about uplifting each other, encouraging each other, and seeing the uncanny coincidences and the beauty in the world and everything going on that's good. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm doing well, Lydia. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk to you. How are you, Darlene? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to be back with everybody today. It's been a couple weeks since we've done a podcast, and so this is a very exciting guest, and we're going to learn lots of stuff today. So it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, Kim, tell us where you're from, what you're up to, and how is life going? Have you made, made it through the pandemic? Any adventures? Any God shots? shots? Okay, so um, I'm from New Jersey. I was originally a Spanish teacher. I have two beautiful daughters, Jacqueline, 25, and Emily, 22. Um, the past couple years, I now work for Rolex, which is going to be one of my God shots that I'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, but I did have a catastrophic awakening and it was actually during the pandemic. Um, I had a near death experience in an auto accident. Um, I was driving down a windy road and, um, my car, I was going too fast, um, and was not in right state of mind. And the car veered off, uh, into the woods and flipped over in between two trees. Had I been a couple inches to the right or to the left, I would have slammed head on into the trees. Oh my gosh. So the car flipped over. I was in and out of consciousness. Um, I do remember being removed um, by the jaws of life from the car and being rushed to the hospital. And when I was at the hospital, I could actually see my body. Like it was like I was looking from the top of the ceiling and like I was with my, I could see my grandmother with me vividly who had really? passed a month after COVID began. And um, that when I finally came to and I see the doctors like rushing around trying to do whatever they were doing to get me stabilized, um, that was my spiritual awakening. Like I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. This is the God, you're giving me another chance and I better do my best um, to, to make good on that. Were you and drinking? the very Were next you... day, uh, I'm not drinking, but I had, um, I had, I had Percocet in me and I had Xanax in me. Oh, wow. That was my question. When you said you weren't in your right mind. So you were actually using at that point in time. Yes, I was very heavily. Okay. I mean, I was using very heavily. And how um, long had you been using when so the accident happened? How long had you I been had, that lifestyle? Right. So I had four years of sobriety prior to that. Oh. Um, but at that point, I had probably, I had been using since 2018. Mm. And so that was July 11th. On J July 12th, I woke up in the morning hit my knees to the floor and I said, God, I'm surrendering. I'm giving this to you. And I checked myself into rehab. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. It's got tears in my eyes. Wow. I never yeah. I, because I, I really could have died and I didn't want to. My daughters hadn't talked to me. 
um, since 2018 and I wanted that back. Um, some family members weren't speaking to me. I wanted that back. Um, I had lost the job because I would go to work, not sober. Um, and, and yeah, so that, that was my spiritual awakening. When you had that experience, Kim, and you say that you were out of your body looking down, and that's a very common thread when we hear people speak about um, near-death experiences, you said your grandmother was there. Were, 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 was it tangible? Was, how was that? Was it spiritual? What was that experience? It, it was more like I could hear her talking to me, and I felt this, pre this, ver this very deep presence like next to me, right next to me. And she had been my best friend since I was a very young child. And she also helped raise me um, because I had, I had issues in childhood. Um, there was some abuse that went on in, in my family. So she helped to raise my sister and me. And um, so I felt her presence very deeply. And, and I knew that I, I, this was something I had to do for myself and I wanted I knew that she was with me and I want her to be proud of me. Mm -hmm. um, and the next day, like I said, I hit my knees to the floor and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. Cause I was also going through withdrawal um, after I got out of the hospital because mm -hmm. they, I'm lucky I didn't get DUI honestly, because they took pills I had in my handbag and, and they, you know, confiscated them. Yeah. And you know what, as a practitioner myself, when I hear a story like what you're saying right now, I believe that we have so many people in our society that are self-medicating because of pain, yes. um, like emotional pain that they're trying, that, that people try to numb, including myself. Mm -hmm. And you don't even have any idea what you're trying to numb. You just know that you don't want to feel something, right? Exactly. And and so as a medical professional, I try to be very cognizant of what people are saying and what they're going through, because what we see in the 15 minutes that we see a patient, I could say, oh, she's an addict. Okay. She's a drug seeker, but why it's to get to the why to help people. And that's what this program is about. And it's so beautiful to have you on come to share some of yourself with the listeners, because I'm sure people are relating to you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I was also going through a very painful divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do feel that that is, you know, what ramped up my, uh, using because I didn't want to feel any of the pain that I was, I was going through. I had been married for almost 20 years. Well, here's a question for you. Uh, we were just, this is so weird how God intertwines people's lives and, and things that you talk about. And so when you're saying you were having the divorce of your child or the pain of your childhood, the pain of the divorce. And for those of us that have been through divorce, it's like going through a death that doesn't go away. It just keeps yeah. going. You know, it never kind of leaves your body. But my question, I guess, to you at this point, four years later, right? Are we four years right. later yep. removed? So what's that been like? What's that part of your journey been like? So having gone through a lot of therapy, I have completely healed from the divorce and um, I want to go back a little bit because when I got out of rehab, I went into a sober house and I called Lydia. Um, I was engaged at the time to someone else. I had just become engaged, but when I got sober, he was still drinking and I knew I couldn't be around that. So I broke off the engagement 
and we had both had purchased a car together and he demanded it back. And I remember calling Lydia and I'm saying, Lydia, I don't know what to do here. You know, I, I'm not going to have a car. I've never been without a car in my life. And I said, my daughters aren't speaking to me. And she said, give it to God. And she said, just put it out into the universe that it's going to happen. You know, these things are going to happen. There's going to be a car put into your life. Your children are going to respond to you. Well, within a couple of days, I was reaching out to the people that I had made friends with while in rehab. And we were just chatting. I was checking in on them. They were checking in on me. And my one friend says to me, I'll, I'll take out the loan for you. I trust you. This is what we do in service. Wow. And there you go. I had a brand new car. I remember and that. I still have. Remember that? Yes, and, I remember that. And then you had told me also to pray on Emily. And then within a week, I texted Emily and she responded to me. She said, oh I'm not ready God. to speak to you yet, but um, I, will, I will reach out when I'm ready, mom. Oh, and that just brought tears to my eyes because I listened to you and I did what you suggested. And, and it happened. And it's like, wow, the miracle is finally happening. This is sobriety. And this is wonderful. See, I think we do need some of those amazing um, little, it's like God gives us these little gifts in the beginning to get us going. It's really interesting how I had so many God shots the first six months of sobriety. So I kept propagating the magic, kept propagating because I was right. so willing. I was willing. And there was not much more required than to be willing. Right. I found like, if I just gave everything, if I just gave everything to God, I found that my anxiety went down. Um, it went down a lot. Um, and I've been prone to anxiety since I was a 12 year old kid. And that finally went away. And just, you know, even today, um, I can tell you the story about Rolex. Um, I had wanted to work for Rolex for so long. And, um, I had, I had a job that I liked, but one day I had a job, the next day it was out of business. And I'm like, oh no, what do I do now? And guess what? I got an email from the director of Rolex. And he said, we want you to come in and interview. That was like out of nowhere. Oh. I hadn't applied like six months prior. Oh. So I thought nothing of it six months later, I'm thinking this was not gonna happen. They overlooked my resume. And now here I am flourishing at Rolex. That's so amazing. Another miracle. Yeah, there, there are so many miracles that we can have. And, you know, I like how you said you spoke to Lydia and she suggested, right? And I believe that when the student's ready, the teacher appears, right? Yes, and absolutely. So all of us are students in life and we can become the teachers of certain things also. And I think it's just a cycle that just goes on in the universe. And I just find it so amazing. And I find that when we, we do got shots and we talk to people about them, you know, there's somebody listening. Like, I would like to back up for a minute because you talked about having anxiety since you were a child. And now there's a woman that I know will be listening to this podcast at some point in time who's struggling terribly with anxiety and depression and cannot seem to get herself removed from it. How could somebody make you understand that that is related to your whole history? Did you figure that out on your own or how did that happen? Um, 
Well, when I was 12, so like I said before, I went through this abuse as a child and I believe that my addiction actually began when I was 12 because I became anorexic because I felt like that was the only thing I had control over in my life. I'll control my body, but yeah. that's not a physical problem. That's an emotional problem. Right. And, um, and I also had that, like, I was um, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder um, and I fought it through high school, um, through college, through my divorce, but it wasn't until I got sober when I just let go and surrender. It was just about letting go and believing that you can give it to your higher power, but you have to truly believe that, that it was taken from me. It right. was just taken from me. And, um, I, it's, it's hard to really explain yeah. Other than that, if you really truly surrender and you're really willing to work the program and you're willing to take the suggestions, these things that I was very depressed as well, but it just subsided over time. And it wasn't overnight. It's going to meetings. It's working my program. It's, you know, um, keeping in touch with my network, all of those things, and just believing in my higher power, which I choose to call God and giving it over to him you know, you're God, I know that you're going to do whatever is in my best interest. And, and really it takes the depression and the anxiety away. I know that sounds easier, easier than said than done. Um, but it works. Like it works if you work it. it they say. And I want to tell you guys something. I'm looking at the wall in my office and I have a, a big plaque up there that says, be still, which comes out of the Bible. It's biblical. It comes out of Isaiah. But what I didn't know is if you put that in the original language form, be still means, and, and I think it was Greek, it was either Greek or Aramaic. I, I say that word wrong, so I apologize in advance. For, yeah, so, but anyway, it means let go. If you look that up, that's what it means. Be still means let go. That's right. I think I just read that coincidentally the other day. In one really? And so, and you know, and so I think about sometimes in my life, and, you know, you had a situation with your girls. I've had, and Lydia, you don't even know this yet. We haven't had a chance to talk about it, but I've had a son that hasn't spoken with me in 13 months. Not my three kids, not my son, not any of them. And I didn't know what I did. Now, here's the interesting part. I spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in prayer, wanting him to have a good life, to be happy and thinking at the same time, this is him. This is him, right? And I'm pointing at him, not realizing three fingers are pointing back at me. I, that's right? Right. And, and after this 13 months of prayer, probably about, I don't know, a month ago, I recognized, wow, when that poor child was growing up, I was a pretty crappy mother, right? And I, and, and not be, and, and here's the thing. I provided, I worked, I gave them money, they had clothes, they went on trips, they did everything they wanted to do. But I wasn't present because mm -hmm. I was too busy doing other activities that I shouldn't have been doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think he just came to a point where it was just like he, he recognized he needed his mom and I was unavailable. And now I still haven't spoken to him, but I'm coming to the realization that when I do, that I need to just love him. It's, it's time to just love him. He needs my love as a mother. I was not able to be a mother until this point in time. And this is a journey of 18 years of recovery to get here. Wow. It, time takes time, you know? 
the, the cool thing about that is that regret and remorse, we, we can't linger in that thing. That, oh my God, I made a mistake then. That's not at all what I call my higher power God also, but I don't believe in a, I believe anyone can access this, this incredible power, which is within all of us. It's actually within us. But we just have to open our eyes and recognize that we are taken care of and that love is our, is our universal solvent. It's the universal force that sustains us, that sustains this beautiful universe. But I, I don't, we can't linger in regret, but we can, we can actually redeem the past by instantly walking in the direction away from what you just are changing our behavior, a living amends. And that actually works faster they don't remember the past. When you when you marry yourself to an old accident or an old wound, you carry that into your body, into the future, and you almost make yourself sick. You have mm -hmm. to let go of whatever happened even yesterday. You can learn the lessons and move quickly into progress. Progress is the law of God. Progress is the law of the now. Now is where God intersects humanity. So we have to just change our behavior. And they will come around, and I really believe we don't need to be needy. Like whenever I say to my son, I need you to call me, or he gets the feeling that I need to be filled up inside with him calling me. When I just send love his way, it's less narcissistic. It's less ego. And I'm just loving him. And you know what? Let him go. And the faster you do that, the more they... I had an actual experiment with that on Mother's Day. I let him go completely, and he called. And he hadn't called me for a couple of years. So... These lessons are really universal and they're, they're fascinating. Yeah, when my daughter, um, Emily, decided that she was ready to speak with me, we met for lunch and she brought her best friend and she said, you know, this isn't to gang up on you, but I need emotional support. And I said, that's fine. And she said, mom, all I ask is that whatever I ask you and I won't be mad, just be honest with me. And I was, and there were some things that were hard for me to be honest about, but I knew that I had to be rigorously honest with her if I was going to gain her trust back. Um, and I knew it was going to be a process. But when we got home from that, that lunch, she texted me, she said, you know what? This is the first time that I really feel that you're being truly honest with me. And I feel that we can, we can start to build a relationship now. And now we talk every day um, Emily actually is going for her MSW and she's actually doing um, an internship at a recovery center. So she's going to be working, helping addicts. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So I'm really, I'm really, really proud of her and I couldn't be more, more happy and more grateful for the relationship that she and I have today. Oh, fantastic. I know you have such, and then now you have another daughter, Jacqueline. I have a daughter, Jacqueline. Um, actually, she reached out to me a couple days ago. Um, so it's just here and there that she's reaching out. So I'm treading lightly, um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that because there are some issues there. Like I spoke with you about Lydia, but I don't want to, yeah. you know, but yeah. So there are things that need to be, to be worked out and some help might be needed there on her part, but I'm going to leave that there for right now. <laughs> It's beautiful. We have control only on our over our own reactions. Right. And if we, I'm I'm interested now in life in people that have overcome their lower nature, and mm -hmm. developed a beautiful soul through tragedy and chaos. It doesn't help us if we have had the perfect mm -hmm. past. If we were perfect, you really 
it's not the way the human race is. Not any, I don't know, a single person is perfect who has done right. motherhood perfectly, who's been home like Aunt B baking, and then you get you get maligned as well, probably, you know? You know but let me tell you something about what you just said, Aunt B. <laughs> I have actually been to Mayberry. <laughs> I, I, oh no, it was, it was the most fun I've ever been. I spent a night there. And they have that whole city is like in, in retrospect towards, towards that show, right? Andy Griffith well, show, yeah. yeah. The barber shop where he got his haircut still exists and the great of the man. Wow. There. It was so cool to be there. So cool to be there. Oh, but you know what? Times were easier. And the thing that I found really interesting was Aunt B and Andy didn't get along. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, on set, they say that they really didn't get along. And here's what I learned when I was at Mayberry, just rocked my world. So do you remember in that show that Aunt B would every once in a while go on a trip to Mount Pilot? Yeah. She would be gone from the show because she was in Mount Pilot, whatever she was doing. She'd take her little suitcase and go, right? <laughs> well, Mount Pilot is really close to Mayberry. It's not far. <laughs> and I looked at that and I was like, she was actually just going on vacation from doing the show when they said she went to Mount Pilot because she really didn't do it. I said, I am so bummed out, man. I thought this lady was really up there helping her relatives. Now, for the younger folks out there, we grew up in the in the era of the Andy Griffith show, which a lot of people may not even know what it is, but you should go on YouTube and look it up. It's hilarious. Oh, and Ronnie Howard, I mean, what he's Ron done coming coming from there that cute little redhead six-year-old you know it was just what an amazing time that was ron howard's one of the few child stars who made it out alive and didn't become a drug addict and a crazy person yeah he's a very nice family oh yeah oh god i love him and he um he's one of my favorite producers as well he produces some great movies and directs Mm -hmm. but they approached my son in a toy store and they said, you know, out you're out here in Hollywood, every cute child gets approached. And I said, no, I don't want to go through the, the stage mom thing and take him to auditions and have him be a cute, too cute, and then be on TV too young. And then what? You know, it's right. not real life. And it's very tough to overcome the lack of attention you get once you grow out of your cute phase. It happened to the kid from The Sixth Sense. Um, What's his name? He's so amazing. Great actor. Child star. I don't remember who that was in The Sixth Sense. Oh, I remember God. Bruce Willis was part of that, right? Yeah, that was a really good movie. It was a great movie. I don't that wasn't an Osmond, was it? Um, J- Haley Joe Osmond? Was Haley Joe Osmond, yes. Yeah. Haley Joe Os- Osmond or Osmond? Uh, yeah, O-S-M-E-N-T. Osmond, yeah. He's a great actor and I shouldn't yep. be ruining his name, sorry. But um, anyway, that was a segue. I, I think that addiction starts, I don't know the trauma that we seem to have, all have a thread, a common thread in our past. Right. But the why right. is really important. But then once you know the why, there is a solution no matter what your why is. That's what's amazing about the 12 steps and the surrender process. But you know, I just think, Kim, I, I look at you and I think, what a miracle. It was a miracle what happened to you. Not to hit the tree. Right. That out-of-body experience, that near-death experience, and to have it to for you to allow it to change you. 
because you, we have the choice to harden our hearts and say no, you know? Right. But, and, and I'm sure that you've seen your life dramatically improve over the course of the past few years. It absolutely has. Mm-hmm. Well, this happened to you in, during the pandemic, didn't it? The set in yes. 2020? Uh, in, yeah, July 2020. So you're pretty new back, but you're so full of life. I didn't know you before to be this inspired. You're, you're ready to say yes to everything. She drove all the way from New Jersey to meet me at the Met at the last minute. And I'm like dragging my feet about everything lately. And I'm thinking, I need some inspiration, mojo. I needed this mojo today. <laughs> Your beautiful story is so inspir- inspiring. And I, I think it's the injection of the magic. I call it magic because it really is magical when you just do that little step of willingness and then surrender because it's not us doing the work. We're trusting. And that leap of faith is the, is the opening of the door, the key that opens it all. Yeah. And I even, I have people like at work that say you walk in with a smile on your face every morning. Like, you know, you, you give me energy. Like they almost say like, what, what kind of, are you taking too much caffeine? No, <laughs> I'm just enjoying life. And I'm grateful to have this job. That's really That's very simple. Gratitude. Every day on Facebook, I see you posting such happy things. I'm like, Where's she getting her happiness? You know, because it didn't dawn on me until we talked now. You told me right. you had a dot shot with a car accident two years ago, but you didn't tell me on the phone. I was waiting to hear this all this time. It's See, it was meant to be today, right? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I think that when you have profound things like that happen, it, it, it changes you one way or the other. You reach the crossroads and you have a choice to make, right? And so, and, and, but, but what's scary is, you know what, when we're in something and it doesn't, I mean, we can be addicted to lots of things, right? It can be overeating. It can be exercising. It could be a man. It can be, it can be alcohol. It can be anything. Right. But we're, when we're in that cycle of that addiction, it becomes our only thing, our best friend. It's it. This is it. And we have such fear in letting it go and not trusting that God is going to replace that with something better, you know? And um, I think you're just an example of letting go of that at a critical point. I mean, so it's a miracle that you're sitting here talking about that, which is like very, very cool. And I want to go back to the grandmother thing for a minute, because that is powerful to me. And I'm going to tell you why. When I was still using, I had a dream about my grandma and, you know, for, for anybody that's addicted to anything, you have that self-loathing at times that you just mm-hmm. look at the parents like, I can't stand who you've became, right? And the outside world sees a face, a house, a nice car, a good job. And meanwhile, you're just dying inside. It's that emotional mm-hmm. bankruptcy, right? And so I had a dream about my grandma and long story short, she was in a window. I was playing outside. I wanted to see her. I was like, oh, there's my grandmother. And she had passed and I ran up to see her and she turned around and walked away from me in this dream. And I woke up crying, sobbing. All I wanted to do was touch my grandma, right? I got into sobriety very, very shortly after that dream happened. And when I had one year sober, I had the exact same dream, same window, same clothes on her, same me, but this time 
she came outside and put her arms around me and gave me a hug. Wow. Yes. And so wow. I, I knew right then and there, that's really, I mean, wow. speaking, the Bible says old men, in which I am, will have dreams, right? And so I believe that that dream was, was giving me a threat. One, one of those hopeful things, like that can't be possible that you have the exact same dream about a year apart. One time she doesn't have you and one time she does, you know? I love this. Wow. You just gave me chills. <laughs> so something about your grandma and it's and focus there because I got a feeling that there's more to that woman being present with you than what you even recognize right now. Oh gosh, absolutely. She represents yeah. your childhood, the warmth and the love that you first had and the rescue, the rescue. And the, guard, and the guardian angel. The guardian angel. Somebody yeah. helped you not be you know, killed in that wreck. And isn't it weird that somebody that you really love that much was by you at that experience? You know, it's yeah. weird. I've had Absolutely. two after death God shots that are, that are very interesting, which I probably should talk about briefly, but I wanted to say one thing about what you said, Darlene, you had the exact same dream after you got sober, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, in my first AA meeting, I heard my, oops, my first 12 step meeting. Um, I heard a woman from South Africa talk about she had a, she came in crying and sobbing and she was a, a, a basket case. She had a horrible accident again with a white Mercedes at um, Fairfax and Santa Monica Boulevard. And she freaked out and was hyperventilating and was a, getting given a DUI. After she got sober, she shared the same, she says, a year later I had the same accident at the same corner with a white Mercedes and the accident went really well this time. Wow. <laughs> because she can now handle life on life's terms. You right. Know? Yes, that's true. She didn't freak out. She didn't get a DUI. She wasn't... But um, the after death thing, you know, I was, I've told this before, but maybe on this show, since we're going to let talk, we're going to title this show near death experiences and God shots that are almost supernatural. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there is no death. I know it. And I know it because I've actually talked to my baby brother who died of a drug overdose and I found his body and and I prayed and I, I, I thought I could never survive it and a year after he died he came to me fully formed standing there kind of glistening and sparkling and I held him and I said you're a lot you're fine your heart is healed and I, I was in a lucid dream they call it and wasn't quite asleep and he was beaming with love and he said I'm fine thank you for introducing thank you for talking to me about God Oh, there is no death oh, I'll wow. see you later. I'll see you later. He said, and then just two years ago, and this was in 1995 that he passed away. Um, the love of his life also, by the way, uh, came out to the funeral on the way she was drinking nonstop drinking a bottle in the car and driving through a snowstorm from Dallas through Denver and hit an, a family and killed an entire family and herself in a head on collision on the way to my on the way to Paul's funeral. Terrible. Two, two years ago I was sitting talking to my brother. I was just suddenly thinking of him. And I had put an alarm on the front door so my stepfather couldn't wander off. He had dementia. And we were always afraid he'd wander around the street. So I had them in bed and I had alarms on their bed as well. And I was up midnight, completely quiet in the neighborhood. I was right by the front door in my office. The alarm, the alarm is on the door. The door is bolted shut. It's quiet as you could hear a pin drop. 
and I suddenly start talking to my brother out of the blue, weeping for him. And I just said, Paul, I'm so sorry I didn't help you more in your life when you first came to Hollywood. And I hope you're okay. And at that moment, the alarm on the door rang. <laughs> wow. Of course, there's nobody there. I mean, the only way it could ring is if someone opens the door from the inside. Right. And I just knew, you know, it was just a beautiful little hello. I know it sounds wacky. What does, the, what does the book say? We will intuitively know. We'll intuitively know. And we start learning that. We develop that. I, I think that, you know what? I think that when we stay so busy, and, and if, especially if you're using a mind-altering chemical of any sort, yeah. you can't get the messages. You just, right. you're, you're blocked. You can't, it can't happen. You know, and so then when you, you're not using any mind altering substances and you slow down and you actually listen, I think that we have stuff that happens every day. Little yeah. miracles. I mean, what you experienced, Kim, was catastrophic, right? Yeah. But I think that every day we have the opportunity to see these little God shots everywhere, everywhere, which is kind of amazing, you know? It is amazing. And the key is to actually look for them, to seek them and not to doubt what they are. That's the fun, is look for all the coincidences. To me, um, my first God shot was an actual uncanny coincidence that was too bizarre to be random. I went, ooh, that's kind of cool. It sent shivers down my spine. I kept getting those when I got sober. But I gave myself, I raised my hand, I admitted I had a problem, and I'd never done that before. I was too afraid anyone would know. So that first step is the admission, mm -hmm. the willingness to kind of open that door. And then it was like, they, they want to interact with you. The, God wants to interact with us as soon as we take one step. Right, Charlie? Right, I believe, I believe that. And you know what, it's, it's like we're his children. And I always tell people, I read a book once that said, you're the daughter of a king. And, and I was still drinking them. And my girlfriend had given it to me. It was a very elementary book. And it talked about women being the daughters of a king. And I look at that and I think to myself, you know what? If we really understood the power of that and knowing that we have, whether you call, and this is where Lydia and I intersect, Kim, and for our people that watch constantly, she comes from the background of I don't want to speak for you, Lydia. So what's your background when it comes to God? What do you, what do well, you say? I don't have a religious background at all. I actually never, that's why I have the sense of wonder that like, this is magic. Whatever happened to me when I did that first surrender, it was very, you know, I went to a couple of churches when I was young. I didn't get it. I kind of went along with the dogma and I understood it very, very little. You know, I didn't think there was a practical application of the power of this magnificent force of love, the infinite love that now I call God. But I had a tangential experience of God coming into my life and changing me. And that's the first time I ever had that. And so she comes from that realm and I come and I used to think I was very religious. And then I realized that, you know what, um, I was Catholic by religion. And so I would go into that confessional like at least once a week and say, Father, forgive me. I'm drinking too much. Well, how much is too much? A couple. Okay, you're forgiven. Okay. I'd head back out and do it again because I felt clean, right? It was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> and um, it wasn't until I realized it's not religion, it's spiritual. Because I'm a medical, I could I married the spiritual and the medical 
And now I understand that from that perspective. So we've come together and it's caused me to realize, I don't care what the perspective is. When you're talking about God, it's all the same. You know, yeah. it, doesn't, it just doesn't matter because the outcome is all the same. And it's love, as you've always preached about. It's love. love. And that's where it comes from. And when we drop all of those barriers that we think we have and just realize that we're all doing the same thing. And if we just love people through whatever it is, it just seems to work better. And, and, and what do they say? To keep it, you have to give it away. To keep right. it, the whole thing is sharing, not just sharing, but helping others. Absolutely. Doing love and service to others. Yep. Absolutely. Selfish. That's the whole key to how this works. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what religion should be. It's, it's kindness. The problem with religion today, I think, has become very political and, and it's turned people off. In fact, the certain Christ, the, the Christianity is throughout, people have misinterpreted that simple rule of love your love one another. And the don't- The golden rule. Yeah. The golden, the golden rule. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. It's really simple. And people have made it so complicated. Like, you know, when I go into a store, I don't care where I'm at. If I see somebody struggling to put their groceries in a car or to push a cart back, or if I'm walking that way, here, let me take your cart. Let me help you out. Let me help you with the groceries. Can I hold that while you put the baby in? I mean, it's just every day somebody needs help. And if we help them, then it's our turn. The help just appears. Oh know? my God. There's some, I have to tell you this. There's a woman that in my early sobriety who was such a powerful force in the rooms and she was the daughter of a very famous TV producer, and I, I, can't, I can't say her name, but she used to bitch and moan. She said, every time I come down the elevator in the building, there's an, a, a shopping cart in there, and I'm so mad. Why does that, why does that, can't they just take the shopping cart out? And then one day she dawned on her after praying, after going to meetings enough, oh, maybe it's my job to be of love and service and remove the shopping cart for that old person or that disabled person that I don't know who left it in there. And the minute she had that change of heart, the shopping cart never appeared again. Wow. She never saw it again. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Those are the lessons. That, in my opinion, those are the lessons. It's like, you know, if you give, you get in return. And it's really simple. And I believe that, you know, I, I find, I find my God, because, you know, you can, you can, make your own attributes, make it be what you want it to be. You know, right. it's a really fun journey. As you said, Lydia, in the beginning, you get to, get, get to see all these things, but I think he has a sense of humor, I think. And you know, and here's the best part. If I make a mistake, it's okay. Cause he'll give me the test again. <laughs> yeah. I just keep oh, getting yeah. it until I get moved beyond it, you know? And um, sometimes I get really sick of the same test. I get sick of myself. It's like, oh, come on, how hard is this? You know, just do it. And, um, and, and I just, and you know, people, people nowadays, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but like you said, Kim, people like say you come into work and you're smiling. There's a glow, there's a glow mm -hmm. that happens and you just, you will know them. You will know them. The Bible says that you will know them. So, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's the funniest. Okay. Here, here's a great story. Great story. I was in Myrtle Beach a couple, well, Lydia, you know this, a couple a couple weeks ago. I went to a comedy club, right? The last guy that came on was so funny, but things, he, he had a bottle of water sitting on his stool 
And some of the things he was saying about the circus in his head and these voices that he always hears, I'm like, this guy has to be in recovery, right? And I'm just watching him. So after the show, the comedians that were performing kind of were hanging around the doors as people were leaving to sign autographs or do what they were doing. And I stopped and I looked at him and I don't know why I said this because this is so wrong. I looked right at him and I said, are you in recovery? He was, he was you know, not like breaking anybody's identity, right? <laughs> he just kind of stared at me. He's like, uh, well, uh, uh, uh. I said, oh. I said, it was just things that you were saying. And he goes, yeah, I am, right? Now this is the star of the show. And I looked at him and I said, I am too. I said, you know, and I told him, I said, I have 18 years. And he was like, oh, I just started this. And he started asking me all kinds of questions, right? He wasn't, he wasn't even caring who else was in line to get pictures. He just wanted <laughs> to talk to me about recovery. He goes, well, I could stay here and talk to you all night. I'm like, I know because I love it. language going on. And it's like, so you'll know you, you'll just intuitively know who people are you know? I love and, it. And it's fun. It's right. By the way, I went to a meeting once in the early, I was such on a high for the first six years. I was like, and I still am actually 20, 28 years. 28. 28 That's years. awesome. But I was so high on, on life. And I'm talking about full on life. I was able to go to bars and I'm still not, not tempted. It's bizarre. I got to tell you, there's something powerful when you really do surrender your old baggage or near old addictions but um a woman had seen me that earlier that morning i guess sharing at a meeting the women's meeting that i usually i usually go to and that night i was at a restaurant uh the rangoon racket club or some of those restaurants and there was people at our table and this woman i didn't notice her but she walked in and she went and looked at me and waved and she went straight to the bar she stood there and i went over and talked to her and she said I saw you this morning speak and you know what I was going to come in here and have a drink and I just saw you and now I don't want to drink now. Oh, I'm glad you're here. And thank God I shared that morning. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that is a God shot. Do what's inspiration. Exactly. Do what's in your heart to do and don't let fear get in the way to stop you. Mm -hmm. And I've let that happen lately a lot with I've been very lazy about doing shows. I've been like trying to, I don't know. I've just been like saying no a lot and I need to say yes more. Other people. So say. I can tell you a quick story if you'd like to hear it. Yes. <laughs> I, um, yes. I just came to my head. So I, when I first got out of rehab in 2015 and I moved into a sober house in Freehold, New Jersey, I became really close with another, another woman. And, um, and so fast forward to now, like 2020 and I had maybe 2021 I had maybe six months over I had a dream one night that she overdosed and I got up the next morning and something I was googling like crazy because I remembered her mother uh what her mother's name was what the address was I went through about five different phone numbers until I finally got the mom and I said Judy I don't know if you remember me um you know Kim and she said oh Kim she's like you know what are you up to and I said well you just told her whatever I'm up she's like my daughter needs help. Is there any way you can come down here and talk to her? I said, I'm there. I drove an hour and a half mm -hmm. to go down there and talk to her and get her help. And it was just like, I, I was like, I can't believe I had this dream. And it was so intense that I knew when I woke up, I just had to find her. Oh, thank God you did that. 
That's amazing. Yeah. You acted on the, on the intuition that was given. Yeah. And then being of service too, like you were talking about, Beautiful. but yeah, that, that dream I'll never forget. It was so intense that I knew something was wrong. See, wow. that's incredible. And maybe that was my grandmother speaking to me. Who knows? We don't, we don't know those things. One of the things I try to do, I learned this really simple prayer that just, that just says, you know what, God, take me, and this is a daily prayer. Take me where you want me to go today. Have me say what you want me to say today. And for heaven's sakes, keep me out of your way. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I also love to take the cotton out of my ears and putting it in my mouth. Take the cotton out of my ears and put it in my mouth. That's right. That's right. And you know, here, here's an interesting thing to think about. Um, it was a study. This is a medical thing. I just want to share with you guys. So Notre Dame years ago, this was many, many years ago, did a research study because it just reminded me when we said, take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Right. So Notre Dame did this research study and they had the same exact course, only they labeled it with two different titles. Right. One was called speaking and one was called listening. Same exact requirements, same exact credits, same exact everything. Do you know that every student signed up for speaking and not one signed up for listening? Oh, <laughs> Even though it was the same course. And because yeah. you know what? Everybody wants to talk. Nobody just wants to step back and listen. Oh, wow. That's but how are you going to learn? Right. Right. By the way, there was interesting. My, I was married to a man who's actually very funny and he was very quiet all the time and all the power went to him in the room. It's like the quiet person seems the most intelligent, but he, he didn't have any of that, but he was just so, he was sort of like brooding and quiet and everybody gave him all this kind of like deference because he wasn't opening his mouth every five minutes and showing what a fool he really was. Sorry. Just <laughs> <laughs> well that's there there is a joke about that or something open your mouth and remove all doubt um, you're an idiot yeah pretty much that's it that's it <laughs> but actually there is something called silent power and it is it is it is kind to, to listen to others and to give them people really need your undivided attention it's one of their primary needs is to be heard and understood you know so Kim, what I even find that um, working at, you know, at working at Rolex, I talked to so many people throughout the day and, and I've gotten, I've, I've gotten quite a few five-star Google reviews and, and throughout, there's like a main theme throughout them, her patience, her listening, her understanding what I'm really looking for. So yeah, to, to speak about the listening, like I really, I feel like sometimes I'm their therapist because they'll open, you know, you get to know them. You want to build a relationship. It's not just, it's not just about selling a timepiece. It's about building a relationship. So these people will start to open up to you and you, I just sit there, sit there and really listen. Beautiful. And yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And you're such a good, you're so, you're so, you have such a great enthusiasm for your work. I love hearing all this gratitude. That is another big key. Gratitude is the quickest way to, it's the most sincere form of prayer, I think. Absolutely. Thank you know, you. when I first came in here, 
I remember a man looking at me because it, I came in in April and November, what is November? Always gratitude month, gratitude. Grat and I thought if I hear that word one more time, I, I'm just going to throw up, right? Because I didn't even know what, I didn't know the difference between grateful, gratitude, humble, humility. I didn't know any of that. Humiliated, humiliated I mean, humble and humiliated were the same thing to me. I didn't know, you know? And I remember this guy looking at me because when it was my turn, I just kept passing. I kept saying, oh, have anything to be grateful for i don't have anything to be grateful for and he put his hat on he had 18 years sober i will never forget him and he looked at me and he's like you're sucking air right and i looked at him and i thought well you are a real smart aleck because i, I thought that was very offensive right and now today i pray for people on ventilators i pray for people that can't breathe that have copd because you know what to be able to breathe without assistance is a gift it's it oh. is a gift God, right. you know, we have everything, everything, our fingers, our toes, our eyes, our breathing, our speech. I mean, I know a man that had a part of his tongue removed because, you know, they thought maybe it was cancer. Wasn't a big part. Wasn't a big part. Would never even really notice it. It was enough. That centimeter was enough that he talks with a list. Oh, yes. I mean, it's like, we just take everything. We can say S it's not F. Oh my God, that's beautiful that you just, that's such a, such, we think a tiny thing, but it's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I'm pretty sure, Kim, that that's some of the stuff that you feel after what you went through. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us some of the things that you've found that grateful for now that you never even used to think of. Just grateful. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm grateful to wake up in the morning. I'm grateful to open my eyes. Those are things I never would have even thought of before. I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful that, uh, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. Now I might not have a lot, but what I do have in my life, I love every bit of it. Mm. Um, I'm grateful that I go into a job that I have confidence in now where, you know, when I was using and going to work, I didn't have any confidence. I didn't even care that I was there, but I'm, I'm confident and, and it shows and, and I'm successful and I feel like I'm really going somewhere for the first time. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. Um, and, and people see it, like you said about the glowing part, people I walk into work and they're like, you have this glow about you. You just have this positive energy around you. I couldn't say that, you know, over two years ago, people didn't want to be around me. I was miserable. I didn't even know who I was half the time. Now I see the beautiful smile and <laughs> honesty, and it's just so cool. And you're so confident. Confidence yeah. is something I've wrestled with my whole life because I was always told by a certain parent, you're no good, you're nothing, you're, you're, unless you look perfect. And that's, I still have that vestige of if I don't look perfect, I don't want to be on camera. But you have a confidence that's really kind of, it's really attractive. Mm -hmm. And you know that? that really kicked in when I started working for Rolex because they, their, their, their own, this boutique is owned by a family and they're a great family. And, and they really, if you do something well, they acknowledge it. And so they putting their confidence behind me. So they're giving me that boost and I'm running with it. And I just like, even, even my boyfriend, Mark said to me, he's like, you just, when the alarm goes off, you just pop up in the morning. 
you never did this before. You just was, oh, I don't want to get up. I don't want to take a shower. I don't want to go to work today. You know, and now it's just, I'm, as soon as that alarm is on, I'm up and I'm in the shower and I'm just, you know, wow, can't wait to get to work. I, I enjoy very so much. attractive about that. That's very attractive. Positive reinforcement is so a powerful way to motivate employees yes. or anybody in your household rather than chastising them and condemning. Right. That never motivates people. Right. And I had a lot of that in my childhood of the chastising and the putting down. And even it's like, I, it's like I, my husband, it's like I married someone from my family who did the same thing. So, you know, so I had a lot of that chastising throughout my marriage and yeah, so I get it. Yeah. We pick what we're comfortable with. And exactly. That's what, that's what you knew. That's what you were comfortable with. And that's the yep. kind of thing you chose. And then you're so the same cycle again, you know? It's that old Groucho Mark saying, I don't want to be a member of a club who would have me as a member, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like talk about low self esteem. <laughs> but we do um, get our self esteem back by doing esteemable acts and by doing yes. love. It's very simple. It's not easy, but it's a simple. The ideas are so simple if we don't complicate them with our brain. And when I think too much, I don't, it's a bad neighborhood to be in. You know, there's all right. these cliches in, in the program work. Just keep it simple, one step at a time. Yep. And you that was it. a con. I think that was the hardest concept for me because I've always been an overthinker. Yeah. And I think by overthinking, it caused my anxiety. So yeah. now that I've learned to really let things go, it's a whole different ball game for me. Darlene, how and you're you're you've gone through a lot, and you even had um, palsy on your face recently. I, I mean, I, I thought about you the other yeah. day. I'm complaining I'm, over uh, they burned off uh, freckle, and now and I was like worried that I got a I had a spider bite on my face the other day. On top of that, oh. and I couldn't lay down, and I'm going. But Darlene overcame a whole entire paralysis of her face on the right side. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get through it? Yeah. You know, one day at a time, you can't change what's happening and you just try to be the best. But, but there, there was a God shot in that too. Remember that I am, and, and, and Kim, you don't know this about me, but I'm a, an assistant dean at a very large university and it was right at graduate oh, wow. time. And so I'm supposed to be on the stage announcing and being with these students that are graduating. We had thousands of students, right? And wow. so, so I started becoming ill, like the Monday that I had to be there Thursday, my ticket to fly out of Pittsburgh was on Thursday morning at 7am. And I start, I was in the hospital on Sunday and, and they were trying to get me through our, everything I was going through Monday. I didn't feel well, Tuesday, I didn't feel well, Wednesday, I was feeling better, but the doctor was like, no, you're not going, getting on that plane. You're not going to, to Georgia. We don't know what's truly wrong with you. You're going to stay here. That was at six o'clock on Wednesday night. I will, and so I canceled my flight. I had to call the president of the university. It was, oh, I just was so upset with that. And at seven o'clock the next morning, I woke up to a paralyzed right side of my face. But oh my goodness. Because I was here and my docs were here immediately. I went, they got me in immediately and I was able to get started on high doses of corticosteroids. So the course of that process was shortened because I was here. They just looked at me and they said, if you would have been on that plane, this outcome would have been way different because you wouldn't have been treated. And this could have been your life. Wow. And I know, 
And that was the grace of God that had that doctor say yep. me. And that was a big deal for me not to be at graduation. I was wow. like, I have to go. No, you don't. You're not going. Wow. And so it was like God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Right. Cause exactly. I, so, so that's where I learned to turn to God and have faith. Those little things that I remember because yes, Lydia, I've been through some really rough times and it's like, but when I look back, God got me through every one of them somehow. And I landed at a better spot. Oh, always, always better. So I don't want to say that I encourage bad things. No, but, but what I do say is that when they come, I have the courage to walk the path because it's been proven to me over years that God works and it yes. all works for good. So, and I have that proof. It's like bringing a white shirt to somebody, right? And they, they come in and they say, oh, your shirts are so white. What do you do? I want to do it. Well, this is what I do. Use pride and bleach and your shirt will be really white, right? So when people tell me this, what do you do? I trust God. And I have faith that I, I will trust because it works. It has worked for yep. me in the past, right? Every bad thing that ever happened to me, including losing my home and going and, and having to live somewhere else and then walking into a bar one night to get a drink. Was that? Yes. I met the, a man who invited me, a, a really sweet friend, and we sat down talking. And I knew I had to quit drinking, but at that bar that night, he said, why don't you come to a party at my house this weekend? Went to that party, met the father of my child there. And I wouldn't have this child where, and I got sober six months after my son was born. So everything that ever happened to me that was bad, so-called bad, because we're in a progressive line of falling up, I feel like I'm falling up in life. It's turned into something good because I'm willing, I became willing somehow, surrendering and willing and mm -hmm. show me the next indicated step, like you said, Darlene. That's right. Show me the next indicated step. Always. And, and, and this is this is the net, us three faces on this screen right now, what we've been talking about, the next step will be revealed as this goes out to the listeners yeah, and right? they hear something that, because inevitably somebody comes back and says, that's just what I needed to hear today. Just oh. what I needed to hear. Somebody needed to hear, Kim, that you had a near-death experience that changed your life. Simple. You know? Kim, you are an amazing woman, and I'm so proud of you and so thrilled for you. And I'm, I'm glad we finally met in person because yeah. I've known you a long time. Yeah, I know. I, I remember reaching out to you in July of 2009, never thinking you would respond to me. And oh then one, one night you're like, hi, Kimberly, this is Lydia Cornell. And I almost dropped the phone. <laughs> like, I cannot you're a big fan of our show, right? Oh, huge. Are you kidding me? A huge fan. My parents were not allowed to leave the house when the show was on. We were not allowed to go. They, I wouldn't let anybody go anywhere. We had to be home at nine or nine 30. <laughs> it started on Tuesday night. Then it moved to Thursday night, whatever night it was. We are not allowed that. out of the house. <laughs> that is so precious. Oh my God. So yeah, I was on a series called Too Close for Comfort and it was on the biggest night of TV. Happy yep. Days, Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company, Too Close for Comfort and Heart to Heart. The number one lineup yep. of comedy and Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers. Yeah. Yep. On Tuesday nights on ABC. And I remember, I remember talking to you when my stepfather had dementia and I was on the phone trying to chase his he was driving the car in front of me. I went, why did I let him drive? Why did I, I oh kept my God. through it? 
oh my God, he's in the car and I can't stop him. And you were on the phone with me and I was thinking, I never knew you were a fan of our show. That is so cool. Oh, huge. And it was, I have a sister, Jackie. So she's oh, three yeah. years younger than I am. And I, I could relate, we both sat there and watched it because we could relate so well. To the sisters. And oh, my, my sister, sister Jackie, Jackie is the, the blonde bombshell, like you. And I was like the dark hair because my original hair is really dark, like Deborah. <laughs> well, you were Jackie. You were the big fan of Deborah. That's that's fine. I love Deborah. I'm a big fan of hers too. Thank you so much for reminding me of that. That was a long yeah. time ago. It's still on every day. <laughs> I still watch it every day. Oh, on my I break, you. I had it on my. I was watching it on my break yesterday at work, and somebody sitting next to me said, "Is that Ted Knight's voice?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Wait a minute." He, he was on a show where he drew stick a cow, right? He had, oh, I said, yeah, you want to watch it with me? So he started watching it with me. <laughs> really? We yeah. have fans now because we're on every day on 2B Pluto and Antenna, which is yeah. CW. I have it on Pluto On Demand. Oh, my God. So how cool. All six seasons. Yeah. Did I send you pictures? Did I send you a bunch of pictures, signed pictures? Yes, to my parents, to okay. Emily, and to me. Yep, okay. you did. Good. I want to get you more stuff or DVDs and stuff. Maybe I'll get you a Cosmic Cow sweatshirt. I but, have a Cosmic Cow sweatshirt. Oh, you do? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I don't even know what a Cosmic yeah. Cow is, but <laughs> 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 I didn't even, that's hysterical. I'm sorry. It's just, I'll just... have to hold one up later, but I just love you, Kim. Thank you for being on the show with us and Darlene. Love you too, too Lydia. Darlene, it's so radiant. Both of you are just the best. I'm thrilled to be with you today. Well, I'm and it was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure meeting you too, Kim. And I'm looking forward to staying in contact. That's the cool thing about yes. these shows. We do stay in contact, which is nice. And um, I do appreciate this. And this is Godshots. And appreciate the audience that watches and hope that something we've said here touches a heart, saves a life, and anybody that needs to reach out, call Lydia. No. <laughs> you, know, you can write us at godshotsorg at gmail.com. There you go. Or go to godshots.org. And also we have, we're on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Breaker, Google, we're on all the podcasts, but I'll be posting the links below the YouTube show. This will be up on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter. Everywhere. Thank you. Thank you, Lydia. I'm Thank trying you. to find a picture of Thank you so cow. much. Oh, wait, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to see the cosmic cow is going to take us out, gang. Oh, <laughs> it's not showing. Wait, you know why? Because I blurred my background here. There he oh, is. Oh. <laughs> oh, there she is. Anyway, she was a shade. Ted Knight wearing the cosmic cow sweatshirt. Very oh, yeah. So cute. Very fun. You guys have a wonderful evening. Oh, there it is. There okay. it is. This is gone but silly. Okay, love you all. Thank you too. Thank you very much. See you have guys. Have a great evening. All righty. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Okay.